the National Archives podcast series, Irish Land Records, presented by Sharon Hinsey. Thank you, Jill. This talk, incidentally, I'm staggered at the number of you who are willing to tear yourselves away from the 1911 yeah. to come and listen to a talk on any other topic today. <laughs> and I'm well aware that I'm not really the world expert on Irish records. So if you are, and you happen to be sitting here, and I say something that you think needs correction, please shout out. Let's not leave everybody else in the dark. I am going to give a talk which is based largely on records which are accessible at the London Family History Center, which is opposite the Science Museum on Exhibition Road. It is a, a family history center organized and run by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and it's free for anyone to use. But we'll go through the different kinds of records that we have. Now, we're very motivated to learn about land records in Ireland in a way that we're not so motivated in England because of the absence of the censuses and because of the later start of the civil registration. The first thing that I'm going to do, though, is to show you that there is a very large range of records uh, from Ireland which are not uh, land records and which can also be very valuable and helpful to you. And we will refer to a couple of these. For the people in the podcast, these include cemetery records. There are fragments of censuses and, of course, the 1901 and 1911. Civil registration is widely thought to have disappeared. It hasn't disappeared at all. It's complete. It just starts in 1864. There are many, many church records, directories, and then maps and pedigrees and the normal. There's a hole in the probate records, but there still are probate records, school records, taxation records, and voting records. And while some of them are classes of records that you wouldn't normally use in England, in Ireland, everything, of course, is Irish, and that means that it's beguiling in a way, and you have to search it out. Now, today, I'm going to focus, and we have records of all of these types at uh, Exhibition Road, which is actually the best place on this island to look for Irish records. Today I'm talking about land records, and I'm going to do it a little bit chronologically, starting with what are called the tithe plotment books. Now, the tithe plotment books were made because uh, there was a requirement to pay tithing to the Church of Ireland. You can imagine how popular this was in certain counties. But the valuation was taken to, to establish a base for tithe, so in a certain way you can say, it's a sort of a 19th century dooms book, isn't it? <laughs> and then Griffiths is similar when we get to it, where you make a big valuation across the whole country to try to figure out who's got what so that you can ask them for some kind of money with some kind of excuse on it. I uh, try here to be non-sectarian, but it's pretty clear that the exemptions were applied unfairly you didn't have to pay the tax if you were a large landholder that had pastures. You didn't pay any tithing on that. But a poor man who had two hills of potatoes behind his house had to pay tithing to the local church of Ireland, um, a vicar. 
The valuation does not show genealogical information per se. What it shows is the occupiers of agricultural holdings listed with the amount of land and then the corresponding tithing which is due. Because these were taken between 1823 and 1837, they establish a kind of, if you will, uh, first quarter to second quarter, uh, 19th century view of who had how much land. Now, what I'm going to do is to show you some examples, some images um, of them. But before I do, I have to give you some bad news about them and some good news about them. The bad news is that there are no records extant for the whole country, although they are quite, uh, they do cover wide area. And the really bad news, which I'm sure will be solved in, I would say, the next couple of years, is that right now only the six counties of Northern Ireland have been indexed. So if you knew your person were in County Cork, you're going to be looking for quite some time because there's no name index. And we have all become spoiled very quickly about expecting that something will lead us to a name index. The good news is that the six county index is online and you could look at it if you have an ancestry subscription at home uh, or you can look at it in any library or facility which has uh, uh, ancestry.co.uk. Now I'm going to show you, I think, what an entry looks like. This one is from County Waterford, so it's not from one of the places which would show up on Ancestry. And it says, Applotment of the amount of composition for the tithes of the parish of whatever, Drum, and the County of Waterford payable to the Reverend William Bush. And here's uh, the denomination, the landlord, and the critical bit is the occupier, because it's the occupier who's now having, again, we're taxing the poor man and not the man who owns the land. We're tithing the man who's occupying the land. And here is Mulcahy, and here's Mr. Brown, and here's Mr. And you see this is the acres, and this is the waste, and then on this side of the page comes the amount of tithing due. So if your relative were this person, John Brown, on line two, where it says uh, he ha has four acres, then on the corresponding side will be uh, an amount of money that he would be supposed to pay to this particular vicar. And it meant, therefore, that you can imagine that the local Church of Ireland vicars throughout the island must have been extremely unpopular individuals because this money was paid directly to the opposing clergyman in your area if you were <laughs> a, a Catholic. So I can imagine that they would have been. And we'll come later to the reaction to this kind of tithe. But that's what they look like. Here is another book <coughs> with a different uh, parish. And here's the occupier, Mr. John Curtin. It's telling you how much he has, how much rent he pays, how much the acreable value is. And lists in here it says this is the quality of the land, third quality, fourth quality. It's, in a way, it's a simple form of a survey, isn't it? Because you get charged more if your land is a higher quality and less. So, for example, here he has 1,433 acres, but it's all mountain. And he's charged, therefore, little on the other side. 
So he owns half a mountain, but he doesn't have to pay too much tithing. I think that this is the other half of the entry we've just looked at and showing the value and with a note that the gentleman pays this amount of rent for the entire land, which as you can see, was about 1,500 acres. So he's a quite a well-to-do occupier. Towns and buildings come into the Griffiths valuation, but this is an agricultural thing. You remember the tithe barns that you've seen in parishes in England. It's that kind of thing. That was an agricultural thing. Now, if you were going to search these in Ancestry, I find, I don't know how you find Ancestry, the hard part about Ancestry is to find the record class that you know is in there that you're trying to search. And uh, you can do that. They have various ways that you can uh, find that. There are ways where you can see the whole catalog. There are key word searches. If you say Ireland as the place you're trying to search and then look for land and property records, you will find it in that list. And then you can click a button and come to searching the tithe allotment books um, in this way. And it works when you do it you get an entry, and I've typed in the name, which is a family name of mine, McLean, and uh, my people are from County Noun, Down, but remember that this index, which is here, is only going to show you six Northern Ireland counties, which is why you see Down and Armagh and Antrim and Londonderry and so on, and you don't see Cork. Now, if you have a memory, you'll remember that I just showed you an illustration from the county of Cork and another one from the county of Waterford. So it doesn't mean that there aren't tithe allotment books for other counties. It means that the only thing you can search online automatically is the six Northern Irish counties, which is good for me because that's where my people were from. And they were probably less inclined to be really mad at the Reverend whatever. Now, the tithe allotment uh, books for, uh, have been all filmed by the LDS Church, and we have the complete set of films at Exhibition Road. Now, the good news for you is that if you know where your relative was listed, the catalog for the allotment books is actually organized by place. And so you can go, this shows just the beginning of that catalog showing places that begin with A. And as far as I know, the places that are shown here are parishes. I don't think they're townlands. I think they're parishes. I'll go home and look into it and find that I'm wrong, but I think they're parishes. And that would tell you the Family History Library film number that you would want to look at, and you would find that we would have that. Now, it doesn't mean, and I need to stress again, that every parish has a tithe allotment book. But there are some across, as far as I know, all of the counties, but only six counties with indexes. So if you want to have a go, and your people are from one of the parishes, for example, here, here's a parish called well, Aglish. I don't know how you pronounce that. I'm not very good at Irish. Ambrose Town, I can almost say. Then you would come and ask for that film, turn to the part of the film which has Ambrose Town on, and start looking for your ancestor's name. One of the glories of Irish records is in what small groups the Irish live. And that's why 
if you know the townland and you know the parish, you can get right to where there aren't more than six or seven families that are in that tiny little place. They give a name to every two houses by the side of the road. And that's a very, very useful thing if you happen to know what that name is. In this case, if you were seeing this, uh, all you would see in the record on Ancestry is the name of the person, the place where they were living, and the year, because there is no image which shows you the written record as I showed you is on the film. What you would be able to do if you're ancest on Ancestry, if your uh, relative was from Northern Ireland, you would type them in, you would find, oh yes, he's listed in this record. And in his case, this uh, valuation was done in 1828. In the other case, you would have to go and look at the parish where you think your person is, rummage around in it, and see if you can find the name of your person. Even if that were my person, I would then be looking for Edenderry in the LDS Film Index, finding the film number that I want and going to look at the entry to see how many acres and what the value was and what the class of land was, first, second, third, and fourth, mountain, bog. There are all kinds of descriptions that can be given. Is that clear? No genealogical information, but you have the link of a person that you are related to, to a certain place, and you learn something about that place. You can see whether he had more land, less land than his neighbors, and whether his land was better or worse than the man next door. The next great thing about which everyone has heard is called Griffith's valuation. Now, this is not a church tithing situation. This is a situation where everybody's productive capacity of all of their property, buildings, land, and everything was assessed for taxation purposes. The valuation books are for each barony or poor law union, and they do show the names of the tenants, the names of the owners, the acreages, and the valuation and the description, well, the valuation of buildings and land. That's the report. I forgot to say that the tithe allotment is basically a snapshot of land occupiers before the famine, whereas since most of Griffiths was taken after the famine, Griffiths is really uh, a description of occupiers and holdings after the famine or during the famine, depending on the time that, that the record was taken. These records were published. As far as I know, the uh, tithe allotment books never were. These records were actually published in a printed form, and I will show you an example of that. And you can look at the printed form. There is a national index for Griffith's valuation. It's available in more than one place. And you can look at the printed form online. So and the other comment that I should make is I think it's just wonderful that there's a gap of roughly a generation between the tithe allotment and Griffith's valuation. So if your people were sedentary and they stayed, you may well see the occupier as grandpa in the tithe allotment and then one of the sons uh, in the next in, in Griffith's valuation. The index to the tenants of Griffith's valuation has been published in many ways 
for a number of years. Uh, there was a CD uh, for a long time, and the index to the tenants, therefore, is available on Ancestry, and it's also available on British Origins. British Origins has uploaded the images of the actual reports. And I'm not sure that I put, I've given you a handout, and I don't think the handout says anything about British origins. I can't remember. Anyway, have a look. Now, what uh, the slide tells you is that on Exhibition Road, we keep microfilms of all the summary reports, but you now don't need those because we also have on Exhibition Road a subscription to British origins, a library subscription. So if you want to look up your person in the index and then see the report immediately, you can do that at Exhibition Road without having to subscribe to either Ancestry or to British Origins. So now for the printed reports, you're, you're pretty well uh, served online. The bottom bullet, however, on this slide is the thing that I think is great because I don't know any way to see the actual valuation book today, although these may well come up eventually, except to come and look at the LDS microfilms of these valuation books. And I'm going to show you what they look like so that your appetite will be whetted. I think first I trot you through how to go about doing it in Ancestry, and it's the same sort of thing. And you get the same kind of record in Ancestry if you look at the image. It just gives you the name of the person and tells you, in this case, he lives in a town, Van Bridge, and it tells you which street he lives on. But it doesn't give you any more information. The summary report, however, does give you his name, and it gives you a description of the uh, property to which he's an occupier. It tells you whether it's land or whether it's a house, and the Irish word here, offices, is used for outbuildings or any kind of building that isn't a dwelling land uh, thing. And so in this particular uh, barony of Magonini, no, something like that, in the Union of Killarney, in the parish of Agado, here is a list of the townlands and the occupiers. So the first townland is Agacurine, you see, and there, as I tell you, in each townland there are not that many occupiers. In this case, there are eight. One of them is a woman who is the occupier and the immediate lessors and the description. And then comes the area, acres, rods, and perches. And then the rateable annual valuation depending on the acres, rods, and perches and the valuer's assessment of this land. And then a summary of the land value and the building value comes to such and such a total and then gives you the same total for the whole town land. Now this is quite a bit more exact than you have in the tithe plotment, partly because it includes the assessment of the offices and the houses as well as the land. Now I'm going to show you what the treasure that I've told you is behind this looks like. So if you take one of those, all of a sudden, now you're looking at the kind of report that a surveyor might write today if he was sent to a corner of the Irish countryside to value the land. And in this case, he says that there are 80 acres, three rods, 
and 37 perches of rugged limestone pasture with a very thin indented skin producing a rather hard herbage about one-fifth tolerable. Also, poor, dry, shallow, rocky arable in patches with a little moory. Well, now that's <laughs> it's a very Irish description, but it's also a very, it's a very clear professional description of what the piece of land is. The bad news is that you'll notice that on the page you can't see who the occupier is. What you can see is that you're in a particular parish, and now you're in the townland of Glasbolly, and here's a description. So how can you match this to the Griffiths? Well, it's actually not that hard, is it? Because I showed you what the summary report looks like. There aren't going to be more than, at most, let's say a dozen people in most of the little townlands. And all you have to do is match up the number of acres, rods, and perches, and then you know which one he's writing about. That's why it's going to be a long time before these things get indexed, can you see? Because there are no, no people names to index them on. You could index to the townland, and then you could somehow you'd have to transcribe the whole blessed townland. But it's wonderful, wonderful material and I think makes all the difference over the printed report, which just gives you these acres, rods, and perches, and the amount of the buildings, and so on and so forth. Here is the continuation of the same uh, report in which he's talking about waste at houses, which undoubtedly is the yard outside the house, and then again a limestone pasture, and so on. And he's giving very detailed descriptions of what this looks like. Pale, gravelly clay of moory tendency, but occasionally some soft brown, rather shallow. So he's giving, he's giving a professional land assessor's view of what the property is that this person is the occupier to. And again, if you're patient, you can look and see whether your chap has got the bad bit in the bog and your, his neighbor has the good bit, uh, which is arable. And it will give you a very, it's, in a way, it's a better description than the census is. I've always thought you can sort of see the social history in, by looking at the census of the street where your people are living or the village. And this is very much the same sort of thing. Here's a third one, the townland of Knockbane. Poor Maury arable of difficult access, bad, wet, sandy subsoil. As a result, there's you see there's an amount of, uh, a quantity of acres, eight acres, three rods, nine perches. The rateable value per acre on this page varies between 0.1 per acre. I suppose this is um, shillings and pence, so that's 10 pence per acre, right? This is nine pence per acre, that's seven and six. And then he translate that into a pounds, shilling, and pence value. And the poorest land on the page is this land which is assessed at nine pence an acre, which is described as bad pasture. And right after it, bad brown heathy mountain, which is assessed at 10, assessed at 10 pence per acre. So there's a very, you can see this is actually very comparable to what a modern surveyor would do 
in assessing land. And he must write this detailed description to justify the difference in the valuation that he's giving. You can't tell any of that from the printed report. From the printed report, you just see that one person has four acres and so many rods and perches, and he gets charged more than somebody who's got 10 acres and so many rods and perches. And you don't understand why that is unless you can see these wonderful, wonderful materials. I personally think these are the greatest treasures of Griffiths. The church microfilmed them in the last 10 years. So we haven't had them very long. And I will give you a little bit of background about how to use them because it ain't easy. Now, this particular page which I'm showing you is the description of a different kind of valuation. Here we are not valuing a piece of property, we're valuing somebody's mill. And in the value of the mill, we have the diameter of the mill wheel, the diameter of the mill stones, the breadth of the bucket, the depth of the standing, and the fall of the water, and a description that this particular mill only works about two months in the year, <coughs> and has a bad supply of water, and has one pair of mill, I'm not quite sure what, can you read that for me? And here is the name of the valuer here, and here is the date that he valued it on the 7th of July, 1838. Now, obviously, later on, they got new millstones and a new mill wheel, and he came back and measured it again. And so it's crossed out and new dimensions put in and, uh, no doubt, a new value. Now, I think that's priceless. If my person were the one living on the mill, <laughs> I'd be making scale models because he's given you all the information that you need to be able to do it. Occasionally, there are little drawings but this is professional valuation work of a very high level. Here's another one, which is uh, a, a property in Donegal. And here, we're not given a detailed description of the uh, particular houses. But it says, Mrs. Margaret White, house and offices, and the amount of houses one-third being deducted, and uh, it's in pounds, shillings, and pence. And then it says as the fifth item, Roman Catholic Chapel and the sexton's house is valued at three pounds, 17 shillings, and no pence. And this is valued on the 9th of April, 1836, with two valuators who are coming together to assess this. But you see at the bottom, the Roman Catholic Chapel and yard have been exempted, but not the sexton's house. So these are wonderful, wonderful, wonderful records. The good news is that they exist, and they're actually quite easy to read. The bad news is that there are no indexes by occupier of any kind, and that the way the church has chosen to catalog the microfilms, it doesn't tell you the name of the townland on the cataloging. In fact, it doesn't even tell you the name of the parish on most of the cataloging. What it tells you is the county and the barony. Now, we're trying to do something about that on Exhibition Road. There are about 352 of these microfilms. And we're going through all of them. The first cut is to try to make an index of all the parishes, because it is not true. The books, obviously, were presented to the microfilmers in a reasonably random order. <laughs> Maybe it's in the date order of when the valuations were done. But one county can appear at several places in the series, so you can't find all of County Donegal 
in a couple of consecutive films. So it's quite laborious now. If you were to say, I've gone online, I've sorted out Griffiths, I've seen the printed report, I now want to see the valuation behind it, it's going to be quite hard work. You can do it, and we have the records, but until we get a little bit better um, uh, index for using them, you can do it, but it'll take you a little while. You'll have to find all of the bits that are in the right county and then figure out which barony your thing is, and then you'll just have to brute force go through the whole darn barony looking for your, your place. I love Griffiths, but I, my enthusiasm for it has picked up very markedly since I realized that there were these valuation books behind it. I think you could write a most wonderful article for a family history magazine or anything just showing the types of material that's there, and I'm sure there, like with the censuses, there would be lots of wonderful examples to use. Now, I'm going to talk about the Registry of Deeds, which may or may not be of interest to you. It isn't the same kind of land record that Tithe Plotment or uh, Griffiths is. The Registry of Deeds has to do with the fact that from the uh, eight, early 18th century to the middle of the 19th century, there was quite a lot of what you might call irregular transfer of land from people belonging to one particular religion to people belonging to a different religion. And the difficulty with such a thing, however that transfer happens, is that it hasn't happened in a normal way, and then the new owner wants to register title. And so the Registry of Deeds is a voluntary register of title of land held exclusively by Protestants starting in the early 18th century until the middle of the 19th century. Having said that, the index is not by the person who got the land, but the index is by the person who had to give it up. That person is called the grantor. They're the one who are giving up the land the grantee is the one who's registering the title. There is also an index by Townland, and there are some town indexes. This is, I would say, that if you're a beginning Irish researcher, unless you're quite sure that your Protestant ancestors were reasonably prosperous, I would leave this for a little while and concentrate on other things, because using the registry of deeds is not for the faint-hearted. Here is an example of a place index where it's talking about a certain county and a barony, and then it is giving a list of lands, selling, guess what the parish is, the name of the grantor, the name of the grantee, the year that this happened in, and then various reference numbers which lead you to the document that describes what has happened. So this is an index, not the document itself, but an index by place uh, and done in that very uh, common 19th century way where you put all the B's together but they're not alphabetically within B's, right? They've got all the A's together and all the B's together and so on. So that's the index by place. Here's an index by town which is actually giving you the transactions by street. And for some streets, there are no entries, and for other streets, there are. So there's a town index, we've seen a place index, and now we're going to look at a grantor index, which is, of course, alphabetical by the name of the grantor. 
In this case, the third one down is called George Callahan, spelt with a K. And by some amazing circumstance, the grantee is also called Callahan, also spelled with a K. And obviously, I can't explain that. And the rest, you don't see the rest of the page where it gives you now the numbers that you would need as your key to how to find the record of the registry of the title. Here's the other half of that page for Callahan, um, where it's showing you the year of the registry, the number of the transcript book, the number, the page in the book, and the number of the memorial. So what this is, is these are indexes that send you to a certain document. Now, at Exhibition Road today, we keep all of the different indexes for the Registry of Deeds. We do not keep all of the microfilms for looking at the transactions. We have a great many of them, but we don't have all of them. You can order the one once you know what you want and what year it took place uh, if you want to look at the specific thing. I should put in an example of what it looks like so you'd be motivated to do that. I'll try to improve that before I give the talk the next time. There may be. There's nothing on this island, no way to see them. That's, right. that's absolutely right. There isn't any way. I, well, that's a good question. What I will do is I'm now making up the list of things that we're going to ask for. <laughs> And uh, I have to ask for few each year. And I will look into how many films we are missing compared to how many there are. If you want to know the ones we have, you could look at our online catalog. And the address is on the little blue card that you were given. Now I'm going to talk about some things which are not specifically um, land records, but which relate to land use. And I'm just including them so that you don't forget about them. This was a little CD, Irish Flax Growers List from 1796. I should have put it at the beginning before the tithe plotman if I'm going to do it, uh, but it, since it's not properly a land record. It does have 56,000 flax growers on it, but all it tells you is the name of the grower and the county they were living in. If it were more specific about where the person was living, it would be, uh, it would be more useful. I suspect the church has filmed this, too, because you do get in the record that you can see on uh, Ancestry, again, the reference numbers that lead you to the actual thing, which is saying roughly what scale of flax grower he is. And here's the ID for an entry like that. Another, and jumping now to 100 years later, there is also a thing called Return of Owners of Land, 1876, which again gives you for the owners of the land and not the occupiers in this case, and is searchable by name and is searchable by place and will tell you the name and the place and the acreage and the value at that one point in time, but only for owners. And that's a much smaller group than the occupiers. I forgot to say, in the case of the tithe allotment books, that, I mean, I, I feel a little embarrassed about making all those people pay tithes to a clergyman with whom they were not in sympathy. And so, of course, being good Irish people, there was a protest about this. <laughs> and people, not surprisingly, refused to pay, particularly in some parts of the country. And then 
the relevant clergyman who was being robbed of his income by these people who were probably not really his parishioners but lived within the bounds of his parish, he had to complain that they were not paying their tithe. And the reports of his affidavit, the injured clergyman whose income is being curtailed because these insolent neighbors are refusing to pay their tithes to him, also exists, and you can examine that on British Origins as well. It was published as a CD, and it can be seen on British Origins. I'm trying to remember what it's called, Tithe Protesters or something like that, and the date is 1831. And there are 29,000 of these people, but 10,000 of them are in one county. They are from 12 or 14 counties, so there's no record from every county. There are no records from Northern Ireland counties for obvious reasons, but uh, you might want to check at it. Tithe might be called tithe defaulters. There were even things that were called tithe. There weren't riots, but there were certainly protests. There were organized protests. This is the form for the return of the owners of land, and here's the county down. Um, an entry for the return of the owners of land, which you can see has the name of the owner, the address of the owner, the amount of acres, rods, and purchase, and the valuation, but nothing to do with the uh, uh, actual, it tells you the address of the owner that's not necessarily the place where his land is, right? He may be living in one place in County Down and have property spread across the county, as this person here, you see, who is living in Dundrum and has 2,585 acres, they may not all be immediately around Dundrum. But it does, again, give you some, a bit of social history, some idea who are the large owners and who are the small owners. And it's clear there are a few large owners and a number of middle-sized ones. And this is the description of what the return of owners of land is, where it tells you very helpfully that they have kindly arranged the owners by county alphabetically for you. So it's as good as having an index. Now, I'm going to say just a few things about voting records. Uh, again, they're not particularly uh, really land records. On the other hand, sometimes you find in the LDS film catalog uh, uh, things which are essentially land records listed under voting records. And an example of that is here in the county of Roscommon, where <coughs> under the general title voting records, it says a list of freeholders in Ireland in the time period 1760 to 1788. The little yellow tip which is written at the top of the page says that the catalog of the holdings at our place are organized in two different ways. You can look by parish, but if you're looking within something that covers the whole county or the whole country, there's a separate set of topics covering a whole county, and that might be archives, it might be census, which is also listed by parish, and it might say voting records or probate or something which is organized at a bigger than parish level. And this is saying, if you want to look to see whether in your county there are any voting records like this that would be helpful to you, you need not to look under the parish, but look under the county as a whole and that list of topics. 
Now, as you can see, this isn't all that polished a record, but it's still there, and in the case of Irish records, we're always grasping at straws. So we're eager to look at any list, particularly if it's vaguely alphabetical, and see if we can spot something which would be of any help to us. Now, that concludes the number of records that I'm going to talk to you about today. I have put up on the screen now uh, my favorite book for learning about Irish records, which is John Granham's book, Tracing Your Irish Ancestors, now out in its third edition. And he does go through the records county by county. And he will tell you in some exactitude what is there and what isn't there for very many kinds of records, including land records. And I, if you haven't got one of these, you need to find some place where there is one that you can make use of. We have one. You must have one. It's right out there in the reference. I'm sure it is. So um, I think it would be well worth your time. You could go downstairs and buy one, but then you probably only want to look at three pages, and it's sitting just outside. So it's <laughs> no reason not to do it. All right, well, in summary, there are records. None of them give whole families. None of them tell you how old the occupier is. <laughs> but they are spread widely over time, and they are quite different range of records, and there are wonderful materials that go with them, like the valuation books and the maps, which you were kind to remind us about. And uh, more and more of them are now becoming available online so that it's easy for you, the ones that have been indexed, to, to see whether your person is there and whether you can find them. I don't find, since most of the indexes were made by local people, I don't find the huge problems with transcriptions that we have with the census records, although you do find from time to time, uh, of course, variant spellings of the name that I've been illustrating with is McLean, which is spelled and pronounced in a variety of ways, and you just have to bear that in mind. Well, happy hunting to you. We'll be happy to help you if you choose to come to Exhibition Road. I've shown you the things that you can do online without coming to Exhibition Road, and I'm glad to have the opportunity to be here to talk. I, sh I have my one last slide, which will take 30 seconds, which I forgot about. Here it is. It's a slide which just reminds you that we, as Mormons, have religious purposes for doing this kind of work, and that's why we gather records we believe that our families can be together forever in the next life, together with all those Irish ancestors, and that's why we do gather these records and make them available to you as well as to us. Thank you very much. This event was recorded live on the 20th of January 2009 at the National Archives Q. This podcast is copyright to the National Archives. All rights reserved.